Control Alt Delete with Mitch Joel. Navigating your way through the social, local, and mobile tech talk on show 977. Good morning. It's exactly 710, and Mitch Joel is on the line as he is every Monday. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, Terry. How you doing? Ah, uh, fine and dandy. I'm uh, back in the studio this morning. Things moving uh, towards a little bit more uh, normal in my life with my uh, vaccination and my return to the studio. And I thought that was a good place for us to start. You wanted to take a look at um, the recovery. Is it going to be a full recovery, do you think? They keep talking about this K-shaped recovery, right? Some, some doing very well, some obviously gone forever. And I think that that K recovery is probably more endemic of people than it is of the businesses. Some people did very well and some didn't. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to watch because, you know, while many struggled during this pandemic, clearly big tech thrived big time. Uh, small business, pretty brutal for the most part, except if you look towards things like Shopify, where people started their own businesses or were able to already be digital and ramped up, but it's been pretty brutal. I saw this piece of data that said 80,000 retail stores, which is 9% of all the stores in the US, not Canada, will close by 2026, which is just wow. a staggering, staggering number. And, and, and with that, you just see Amazon rocking along. I mean, the numbers that Amazon posted, we had the earnings reports for the first quarter of most of these big tech companies. And Amazon's earnings, which were released, I think, Thursday of last week, which was the first quarter of 2021, it's just insane to look at. And, and so for January through March of this year, they reported a net income of $8.1 billion. And if you look at just the pandemic in general, Amazon's got its total up to about $27 billion, which is basically three times as much money as Amazon made in the previous three years combined. I keep hearing these things and then, you know, wonder why I can't find a parking spot at Ikea or Fairview. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. strange. It's uh, it's it's playing out one way in the figures and another way uh, in in real life. I mean, I know, I know everybody orders, you know, we do the same thing in our household, order an awful lot of stuff online, but still want to see brick and mortar stores and go to them. Well, there's a social, I mean, I think, you know, one of the big things I noticed during the pandemic is the massive gap between what you're talking about, which to me is shopping. And on the other side, the digital aspect, which is buying. Mm -hmm. Buying is very transactional. Shopping is very social. It's an activity. It's something to do. And again, some people shop out of need and necessity. They know exactly where to park. They beeline into the store. They don't want to get any of the DNA of anything on them, and off they go. <laughs> yeah, command, vast... commando shopping, we call that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but I think what happened during the pandemic is actually the physical stores tried to figure out how to get a lot more transactional because of what happened with COVID-19. So much more hygienic, a lot of contactlessness stuff with the credit card paying or your phone paying. And online, what they're trying to figure out now is you got to remember the Amazon model is over 20 years old, the little pictures and descriptions. And people are really trying to reinvent that to create more of a shopping experience. And it's funny that you say this because one of the areas that we've seen most impacted, which won't surprise you, is impulse shopping. Right. When you're at the checkout counter, you right. buy a pack of gum or, or a can of soda or a magazine, yeah. that has plummeted for obvious reasons. And those brands and those products are really trying to figure out what do they do in a world where people aren't hanging around that much. Let's talk about the YouTube story because I, like you, remember when Google bought YouTube and everyone's jaw hit the floor. 
Um, and uh, like everything else Google does, it turned out to be pretty fine. Yeah, I was literally on the Google campus a couple weeks after they had done the acquisition of YouTube. And I had done a speaking event right outside of their little building, which was off of the main campus. And it was in 2006 that Google bought YouTube for $1.65 billion, which even when you say those numbers, we can't even fathom how crazy that is. But I remember how people lost their mind. I mean, these were really small screens on your phone or your computer. There was a lot of buffering issues because video wasn't so good. Shaky cam stuff. Like, how could this be worth more than major networks? Well, again, Alphabet and Google, Alphabet is the holding company now. Google's one of the companies within it, as is YouTube. They released their quarterly earnings and YouTube made close to $7 billion in just this one quarter. And what's really interesting is their ad revenue alone is similar to Netflix's entire revenue. And so now what they're looking at is this world where nobody would have thought that YouTube is, is able to compete with a Netflix. And yet, even though their business models are very different, you subscribe to Netflix, YouTube is ad supported. It just goes to show you the power of content, and in particular video. And what happens here is, is, is I think YouTube is going to be much more profitable. They're not spending billions and billions on content. Most of the content is user generated. I was going to say, they don't, what do they have to, you know, they got kids opening boxes for, what, what do they have to spend on content? Well, everybody, everybody does it for them. But they're doing much more revenue share and there is this whole creator economy that has yeah. boomed and they yeah. are really driving revenue. So there, and, and again, we, you know, it's a lot to host and to do all this stuff. There's, there's definitely stuff happening there, but if they can, if they can sustain this ad revenue at the pace they're doing it, it could actually surpass Netflix by the end of the year. What's your take uh, Mitch on uh, ad annoyance and, and, and how they, how they handle that? Because I've, I've been noticing as you, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an on YouTube every day, but as a frequent user, um, I find their, their ads are more intrusive. There's more of them. They're more often. I don't know how their, their ad rhythms work. And I know you can click skip ads, but sometimes, you know, you'll get on, on a video, you're trying to be showing somebody something and then there'll be, you know, you have to wait for two ads to end before, uh, you can access the video. How, how do they gauge how much their users will put up with it? Well, the great thing about that question is it's not as hard as for YouTube to deal with as it will be for other media companies that run these pre-roll and post or, or inter interrupted yeah. ads in between because for $10 a month Canadian, you can get YouTube Premium, which will get rid of all the ads. It allows you to download the videos. It offers you YouTube Music, which is a very similar streaming service to the other major platforms. And that's what I have. And I have to tell you, it's been a complete game changer for me. And I believe that part of the idea is they want people to try that and right. potentially shift to it. And they see that as being very, very disruptive to the traditional TV model, obviously. They believe they can replace TV. And, and in my life, Terry, they have. Yeah. My my, my thing is when I go into bed in the evening and cool down after the day, I subscribe to a ton of different YouTube channels right. and I just look at them from the most recently posted backwards. And some of them are documentaries. Some of them are music based, tech based, comic based, whatever I'm into. And I find it way more enjoyable than regular TV and more and more people are subscribing to the YouTube premium. And that's going to be very, very disruptive to all of these models. Well, for sure. My wife and I had this discussion yesterday. We were, you know, we were looking to just chill and do nothing yesterday afternoon. 
and there is absolutely nothing on television. If you, if you don't want to watch golf or basketball, good luck to you finding anything of any quality or heft uh, on television, even with a thousand channels. It's, and, it's yeah, a wasteland. And even going back to Amazon, so many people have Amazon Prime. They've added 50 million Prime members just this quarter. Right. They've got 200 million. And again, so $120 is your annual membership, give or take. But that includes Prime Video. Yeah. And there is a ton of content like you would get on your Netflix. or. And so I agree with you that it is very challenging once you have access to multiple streaming services to even go back because it seems so archaic in its structure and how it's you know, again live sports, live news different thing yep but you can get those primarily in a lot of these other online channels yeah um what's your app of the week mitch oh i love this thing i've been using it for a while and i had just checked and realized we didn't talk about it it's called link tree so it's link tr.ee we'll leave a link in the show notes and what it does is you 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 know this terry but in your twitter profile or any online profile they usually give you one link only that you can click on or have people click on to find you and that can be really problematic if you want to share links and things like that so link tree allows you to create your own unique link and then from that, you can list everything to people to connect to your Twitter, your blog, you find you on LinkedIn, whatever you want to do. And so if you have multiple places where you want people to connect you, you can use this one link tree and send them there. And it expands into all of these things that you create. So if there's articles you want to share with your group or videos or whatever it might be. And I just find that I'm using this literally every single day. I use it on my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, everywhere. It's one link. And from there, you can find all the places where I am located online. Fantastic, Mitch. Thank you. We'll do this again next Monday. Awesome. Thanks, Terry. So glad you're back in the studio. Okay. Thank you, man. It's coming up to uh, just about 720. Our conversation with Mitch Joel and the copy to the app of the week is always up at shom.com after 10 o'clock.